teachers. You're listening to the thing we do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? I'm doing great. Well, good. Excellent. Um, we, Brother Wing and I were just talking about the book of Revelation. Because, teachers, you know that uh, the next three weeks you get to study the book of Revelation. Brother Wing just asked me an interesting question. He's like, do you think that most members of the church view the book of Revelation like how we view Isaiah? I think the answer is... Yes, we love it. We want to study it all the time, and it's our favorite thing to read. So yep. that was my answer, well, I believe. That was the reason why I asked the question, but perhaps others might look at it in a way that it's a super difficult book to understand, mm. and we're kind of scared going into yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've ever met a single seminary teacher that has been scared. Actually... I've talked to lots of seminary teachers who have seen these weeks pop up on the uh, on the the pacing guide, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" But I think it can be a pretty good experience for you. You know, right in the the overview for Revelation chapter five, there's a statement in the teacher's manual that maybe you just want to read to your students every single morning that you're in the book of Revelation. And by the way, you can practice saying. Uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation. Sometimes it gets called Revelations, but really it's the book of Revelation. It's just one big revelation. It's, it's not multiple revelations. It's one big revelation. But this statement, I think, is pretty good. Um, and the statement is this. You will find rich symbolism and imagery that will teach you about Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father's plan, and the second coming of the Savior in the book of revelation that's kind of exciting to think about it also says you will also see how jesus christ and his followers rise triumphant above satan and the kingdoms of men that's pretty awesome and so those are those are two things you know as we talk about scripture feasting i mean those are that's great scripture feasting uh stuff right there okay well i'm going to read today and i'm going to see if i can find rich symbolism and imagery about jesus christ and heavenly father's plan i want to see how jesus christ and his followers rise above rise triumphant above satan uh and looking for those each time they study the scriptures that can make the book of revelation kind of exciting even though there might be some things in there that are difficult to understand I like that. And, you know, I go with the same kind of direction as as um, the students are coming into this. You could ask them on day one, like mon the Monday lesson. Oh, wait, we got to talk about Monday first. It's the doctrinal okay. mastery thing. Yeah, yeah. Should we, should we do that now? or Let's do that now. Okay, yep. so pause from the book of Revelation just for a moment. There's the doctrinal mastery assessment that is scheduled on the pacing guide as Monday. And I have to say, this is my last time to apologize about the pacing guide for this year. For this year. Yeah. But it's supposed to say doctrinal mastery assessment two. Yeah. <laughs> Not one. Okay. My bad, everybody. Again, that's my last apology. If there's any other mistakes <laughs> in the next two weeks, I will not apologize for them because I've used up my last apology. But should say assessment two. So just keep that in mind. Now, when you go to where do you find the assessment, you know, would be the next question. And the answer is in the appendix of the seminary teacher manual. So you go all the way down, scroll down to the appendix, and you'll see a doctrinal mastery assessment two, or sorry, review two, and then doctrinal mastery assessment two. So the assessment review 
to is a learning experience that the students can have as they get ready for the actual doctoral mastery assessment. You can do them both in the same day if you want. You could spend the time with the review for most of the class and kind of go over some things and then just give them that doctoral mastery assessment too. At the end, it probably won't even take them that long right. to take that. And you could do that. Or you could do the review on one day. That's your whole lesson. And if you feel like they got the gist of that, then that's good. They all took the assessment and it's all good. You don't even have to give them that, the, the actual test part. You can just do it all together uh, in class. Um, as a class and whoever's present gets a hundred percent on the assessment that way. So basically what we're saying here, teachers is as I'm saying this, I'm assuming brother Lawson agrees with me. Yes, I um, do. You do whatever you want to assess their doctrinal mastery learning there. And you help them to um, kind of solidify what they've learned about doctrinal mastery throughout the semester. And if you feel comfortable with that, that's good. You know your students, you know where they're at, and you do what's best for them on that doctoral mastery assessment day. And it can be taken as a class or it can be done individually or a combination of both. Or you could, um, and anybody who's not present on that day, then you do just give them that doctoral mastery assessment too. And then they can just turn in that information to you later. Um, but don't be overly formal like it's a test. Right. And don't put your students... Um, you know, in a place where they feel like they're not prepared to just review what they've learned, you know, right. um, just make it a learning experience. You know, that they're just, they're learning, they're, they're um, reviewing things, they're solidifying knowledge that they have. That's the purpose of this. And they can keep reviewing it and keep learning it and then be totally good about marking them as, as a hundred percent when they've, when they've kind of assessed that. So that's the, that's the deal there. Don't make it too serious. Excellent. That's good counsel. Very good. Very good. All right. So then let's jump into the book of revelation. Revelation chapter one is our first day in, uh, in revelation. Um, what do you think about this, brother? Like so much of the book of revelation is symbolism and sometimes symbolism scares people. Uh, it makes them worry. And I think it it might be, and I'd like to, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I think that symbolism sometimes makes people uncomfortable because they don't want to get the interpretation wrong, or they don't want to, you know, that they, they want to, they don't want to miss what they're supposed to be learning from this symbolism. Maybe that's one of the, the nervousness that sometimes people have about the temple, because I mean, everything in the temple is a symbol. We learn, um, yeah. Jesus teaches by symbols a lot. And so, so how are we supposed to do this? How are we, how can we approach symbolism with excitement and confidence um, instead of anxiety and worry that we're, we're messing this, we're messing this up? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think the answer is um, to go slow yes. and, build on what you do know or what is obviously revealed, you know? So you can, it's okay to like guess, you know, yeah. but just keep it there. Like, well, I'm yeah. guessing and I could be wrong, you know, I'm yeah. just I'm guessing, but I'll, I'll run with this just for a sec and see where it leads. But, but when a prophet let, let the burden be on prophets to reveal the interpretation of symbols, let the Holy ghost help you. 
if there's a there's a if if there's a place where you they feel you see a gap or you kind of want to guess because you don't really know, then just you might just leave it alone. You know, mm-hmm. and be like, well, I don't know that right now, but I'll build on what I do know um, and go forward and let it kind of be a fun journey of of uh, of um, kind of trying to interpret symbolism, but using all the tools around to do that in a balanced way. You're like, you're not going to be crazy about your study here. That's where I was. That's where I was going to say about introducing this to your students on Tuesday. Yeah. Say, students, what do you think about when you see the book of Revelation here? What do you think? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And it could be that they're nervous about it or they think it's crazy or they're like, oh, this is all about the second coming or it's all about destruction or they might be afraid of the content or they might be afraid of the format, like all of the symbolism that's used here. And um, and then my way of introducing this would be to tell the students, all right, let's is it all hype? Like, is it actually hard to understand? Or is it not, you know, like, like they don't know because most likely they have not studied this at all, or they at least have probably haven't studied it recently. Right. And so say like, let's just get a taste and let's just see, is this like beyond our abilities or is there something here? And so what I would do then is I would say, let's go, okay, look at the first thing that you see in the content, chapter one, verse one the very first symbol that you see is a footnote, right? <laughs> and then it takes you to Joe Smith translation. And then in the appendix of which would be JST revelation one, one through eight. All right. All right there's your scripture feasting students. I'm going to give you four minutes with eight verses. So you go as slow as you want to. And you just see what you what you learn from the JST of Revelation 1, 1 through 8, and, and let that be their introductory taste to the book of Revelation and see what they come up with. And then based on that little study, that little scripture feasting, then you can do more later um, with Revelation 1. And the, and the teacher manual has a lot of great stuff here, and I'll we'll have a lot more to talk about this, but that's how I would start it. Well, I like that idea. That's a really good idea. Um, I was thinking about... There's a statement made in the temple and also outside the temple concerning Revelation, not the book of, but actually receiving Revelation. And similarly, the, the temple, but like when we go to the temple and there's so much symbolism there, the only way it's understood is by Revelation. It takes a revelation to understand a revelation. And literally, it takes revelation to understand the book of Revelation. We, we're not going to understand it uh mentally we're not going to be able to figure this out we've got to rely on the on the holy ghost to teach us here i think that's one of the reasons why john taught in symbols here was so that we would it would give us an opportunity to interact with the holy ghost in a significant way and so um like we've mentioned before like i mentioned before the this book the book of revelation it reveals jesus christ but we're going to have to have the holy ghost with us as we study in order to have Christ revealed to us. And I love that idea Brother wing of, of going through the Joseph Smith translation, just giving them a taste of, of what it is like to study revelation, uh, searching for understanding. Um, so what do you understand? What do you learn from these eight verses? I don't think we should try to do this uh, comprehensive or exhaustive study of the book of revelation so that our students come out of this as as scholars but rather 
it would be awesome if the outcome was they knew and understood more about Jesus Christ because they studied the book of Revelation. Uh, and so I think that's a, a great outcome to shoot for, especially that first day of chapter one. And I think those first uh, that those first eight verses, I think that'd be a great scripture feasting for that uh, that first day of of seminary there in Revelation. Yeah, and we focus on Jesus Christ. And so if they're going to go through that Joseph Smith translation part, they would see a lot about the Savior in there. And if they right. don't, or they, when you ask them what they got from that that portion of feasting, if they don't start talking a lot about Jesus at that point, then you can kind of take them back and then talk about some of the symbols in there, particularly Alpha and Omega, you know, that's in there, but also how they're going to get revelation. Verse three, the verse three is really great, you know, for that. Um, but then even the other things that are taught about Jesus, like in verse five, you know, and when the, and the Joseph, Joseph Smith translation, verse six, but, um, that's all good stuff there to really focus on the savior and what's being revealed. You know, and another, I think another good point, like I'm a big fan of, of helping your students understand the context of scriptures before they jump in. And so, you know, helping them see that, yeah, this is Jesus is going to re be revealed here. Heavenly Father's plan is going to be discussed, but also answering the question, like, why is John writing this and who's he writing it to? Right. So he's writing it to these seven different churches, right? We, you can imagine your stake, right? We got seven different wards and John is writing this letter to, to them. And he's going to talk about each of these wards um, and some struggles that they're having. They are, they are under extreme persecution. Uh, there's hard things happening. Some of those things they can't control. And some of those things, the, some of the hard things that are happening are because of the way they have been acting. Uh, and so, so John's going to give them counsel and encouragement. Um, and your students, I think, I think if they can understand why John was writing this and to who he was writing it to, they might be able to find some personal application. So maybe like, I wonder which one of these wards or which one of these congregations, which one of these churches best represents me. I wonder if there's counsel that John gives that is directed specifically at me, some encouragement maybe, and some correction as well. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, go ahead. And I th and I think that then that leads into kind of the activity that's in the teacher manual there about those congregations. So right. if you do the first eight verses with Joseph Smith translation, and then you go into what the teacher manual has for those um, seven congregations there. Yeah. Um, and and uh, kind of verses 12 through 18. Um and the symbols that are there, uh, that might that might be like a, a second level of scripture feasting, right? And then we're sure. into application. Yeah. So it'd be like kind of cool to say it's all about Jesus. Look what he teaches here about these seven candlesticks and these other symbols that are used there. And what do you think about those symbols? And then a, then then conclude that day or lead to in that day. Some kind of like, okay, so how does this affect you? Like, what's right. your application here? He's talking to these people in modern day, like Asia Minor, which is like modern day Turkey. So like, he's talking to those congregations then, but how does this then apply to us? Right. You can also do that on the on the next day in Revelation uh, part one, Revelations two and three. 
they can identify. I think there's an activity in the student manual that has those has the references marked out for you of of John's counsel and correction to each of those churches. You can just give those students. You can write each of those uh, seven uh, churches up on the board with the scripture reference next to them, and then uh, just have them look for what is the counsel and the correction that that they receive, and which of that counsel and correction do you feel applies directly to you right now? Like which of these congregations do you relate with um, most? And so I think that they can, uh, I think they can have a, a good, in fact, there's some really good questions, uh, scripture feasting questions in that. I think where they, like one of them is what good works did Jesus Christ acknowledge? How have you seen similar good works among members of the church today? What correction or counsel did Jesus give uh, to the church you chose why is this also good counsel for the church today? I think that's those are uh, that's a pretty good day of scripture feasting in Revelations two and three there. Yeah, and I was kind of in, intrigued by that next question in the teacher manual. It says, "Why is Jesus Christ yeah. uniquely suited to know what we are doing well and how we need to improve?" That's a good one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. I have a weird idea. So this, you know, you might want to fast forward at this point in the <laughs> podcast, but it's just an idea that I thought could, could be helpful at this stage of the year. Like when we're thinking about, we're kind of towards the end, it's December. It's, um, we're trying to help the students receive revelation. Um, but they've been going to seminary for quite a while now, <laughs> you know, no matter how old they are, they've, been here for at least a few months even you know so maybe you could combine in a way with the revelation part one and part two and you could use the wednesday to let them teach and say okay look students yesterday we got a taste with revelation one about this book and i'm not going to teach revelation now you are and so so you could divide up the content of the teacher manual for your students, like show them how to access this on their phone or print out the content that you want for them and put them in like four different groups um, in their class. And so they study uh, the content. So the first one would be like what you were just talking about, Brother Lawson, that that section with the map mm -hmm. in, in the part one lesson and then goes through all of those seven congregations. And so there it is. Like have them do that, the counsel for your life part as well uh, there. You could also have a group do the, the part with the knocking on the door portion with chapter three and some of those great questions that you're referring to. And and <clears throat> and there's more references that go, that go with that that's in the teacher manual there. As you go to the next lesson with the part two, there's also really good stuff there about, you know, Elder Corbett's, um, Brother Corbett's uh, example there about looking ahead and receiving a promise and how that can affect dealing with challenges now, you know, and there's scripture references there about God's promises. So another group can do that one um, that there, that's there. And then you have the section on overcoming the world and they key off of a quote from Elder Anderson, but um, there's a lot of passages in there in chapters two and three right. that would help the students with that. So this is how I would do it. 
So I would have the students for scripture feasting read chapters two and three, and they can do it as a group or they could do it individually, however you think, but just say, look, look, we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of strip away the top layer here so that we can really dig into this. And so the way that we're going to do that first is just read it, just, just read it through and get a, get a feel for this and then give them these various instructions from the teacher manual in their groups. And they study all of that on Wednesday, knowing that they're going to be then teaching that content on Thursday. And so then on Thursday, you have them come back on Thursday morning, review what they did the day before, kind of um, get their plan in place, their outline of their, their gospel instruction. Um, they might even have some object lessons that they want to bring. Like one of the ideas was to kind of have something underneath the um, covered, you know, so that they don't an object under a, under a cloth or something. And then they right. have to bring up a student to see it, but they can't, you know, so now he's got the, got a seer and a prophet revealing something and describing something. Anyway, they might want to do something like that. And they have a day to kind of plan that out. Now, you know, your students, this might not work with where your students are at and, and, uh, or the size of the class might not fit with this, but this is one way that you could help them to really get into the content. And then they may get on to get into it better when they know that they're going to be teaching it. And then they could just give little miniature lessons on Thursday. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a, that would be a good activity. I think for them to become a little bit more engaged, especially at the end of the get, as we're getting close to the end of the semester. That's good. All right. So on, on Friday, we have Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five. It's going to be um, it's going to be high adventure in Revelation chapter five. I think the uh, there's a word that's thrown around in Revelation five that I think that the teacher's manual kind of picks up on. It talks about worship. I think that's a word that that might be used that when students try to define that word, they might struggle a little bit. They might picture something other than what the savior intends when we talk about worshiping um so how do we there's so much symbolism and there's so much uh i mean this is one i think your your counsel at the beginning of the podcast brother we need to go slow this is one that you're really going to have to go slow in and not worry about getting everything out of it but i think it, i think breaking this up into little chunks as your scripture feast right like I would start off just with like Revelations chapter five, just the first, um, the first four verses, and uh, just spend some time talking about like and and do what what I like to call interrogate the text. Just ask questions. Have your students say what questions if John was here, what questions would we ask him? And it can't. And the only question that's off limits is what does this mean? <laughs> All right, so. So what questions would we ask John as we're reading through Revelation 5? Some of these questions you might be able to get a pretty good answer to. Others you might leave unanswered. But uh, there's so much symbolism in here. I think this is a great a great chapter to uh, interrogate the text and ask, like, why is John saying this? Why is John doing this? Um, and just talk as a class, maybe scripture feast as a class rather than as individuals. I really like that. I mean, I, this may, that may be the way to do this, like scripture feast as a class, you know, and, and really is almost kind of 
adopts a form of, you know, put the students in a circle and you're just mm-hmm. Bible study all together. We're right. all students of the scriptures here and we're just going to walk through this together and go verse by verse, even if that, if that's what it takes, you know, you could practice that with chapter four. That's um, true. Even because that kind of sets up chapter five in a way. I mean, chapter five, I think is, you definitely want to get them on the right frame of mind. And I, I love the, the image that's given in the teacher manual of that scroll with the seven seals that might help them to kind of start to picture what's because what's going to happen for this day on the, you know, Friday, but then you got the whole next week that's going to set up these opening of these other seals. And so I think that image is really helpful to them to set them up for success for the week following. But in terms of like just going verse by verse and like, let's, this is where it starts to get really crazy and revelation, revelation esque, <laughs> you know, on the apocalyptic vision here. And it's our, it's our day. That's the other interesting thing about this section, you know, chapters one through three did seem to be for, for John's day in his area, he's revealing things that shortly come to pass, you know, so he's talking to those people then, but then in chapter four, things change. And now it seems like he's talking about the whole world and really more our day, you know? Um, and so, so, I mean, that, that part of chapter four, I think is especially helpful that they understand, okay, things are this, this part of the book of revelation is now very different. And so this is the part where they, they need more help. And so going verse by verse might be use, most useful. Yep. Excellent. Well, oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. What Dr. Else you Covenant got? 77. If you're going in. Oh yeah. The four, kids would love that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You need to go to chapter or section 77 in the Doctrine and Covenants. They'll see a little help on interpreting some of those symbols, right. symbols particularly with verse six. And they should have probably also know that Doctrine and Covenants says that wings are a representation of power. It's just really important for everybody. Yeah, that'll be important. To, that'll be important to point out for sure. For sure. They're the worst part of a turkey, by the way, I discovered <laughs> this last week. I so, should eat wings, yeah. <laughs> should eat wings. All right, teachers, this will be fun. I think uh, we're excited to hear your experiences uh, in the book of Revelation, and and we are excited for your students to have Jesus Christ revealed to them in greater power uh, in their lives. And so that they're going to have a good experience in the book of Revelation. All right, teachers. Until next time, we love your guts. Stay righteous.